Welcome back to Tachlis Talks and part number four in our Shalom Bias Booster Series. Shalom Bias generally conjures up the image of marital harmony and focus on marriage, but truth be told, if you are a human being and interface with other human beings, odds are you can benefit regardless of your current marital state. If you interface with parents, children, neighbors, coworkers, bosses, employees, etc., good chance that developing the skills to have more shalom, more peace, more harmony, more synthesis, more getting along in intense ways can be of great benefit. And uh, two quick reminders. Number one, comments, questions, concerns, issues you'd like to see us address can be sent to tachlisscoaching at gmail.com. And thank you for the one who reminded me that I have not made a pitch in a very, very long time for the support of our podcast. And that can be done... Uh, and it can be done as a, a request that something be noted in honor and memory, uh, you know, an acknowledgement of somebody in an upcoming podcast as well, with donations to cincycolel.org, C-I-N-C-Y-K-O-L-L-E-L.org, the Cincinnati Colel website, cincycolel.org, and the donate page over there. Please do put um, Tahoe's Talks or podcast in the memo, and uh, we will know to you know, how to uh, direct that, those funds. Today's topic, the subtopic within Shalom Bias, is the theme issue of criticism. And, like your uh, thoughts on the following, if you can try to think through with me, the question that came my way along the following lines, and I'm paraphrasing, the question that came from an anonymous individual, we'll call him Plony, that's the Talmudic John Doe. Plony is describing that I'm in a situation where I really feel that Almoni... The other Talmudic John Doe, Almoni is causing all types of stress and distress within the work environment that we both find ourselves. And I want to try to help Almoni recognize that he's making a mistake in the way he is treating others. He's coming across very bossy, but in a sense, he is one of the bosses. And I have both to worry about not rubbing him wrong because it's not something I like to do, and particularly because it could be a little bit risky given the fact he does have seniority and some authority within the hierarchy of our workplace. Any suggestions? That's the question coming my way. Basically, how do I level a criticism at Almoni without getting Almoni all uptight and distressed and, and reacting potentially negatively? So some of the tools that we shared in response will be incorporated into what we talk today, and, and that will basically start with the following. We at times need to share criticism, but we'll be more likely to get it right if our starting feel, our starting emotion, our starting sensitivity is we really aren't looking to be critical. We really don't want to be critical. We don't enjoy being critical. Because if we do, if we get a high by being critical, if it helps us feel big that we put other people down, we're going to probably do it far too often, far too broadly, and without proper controls. And then everything we talk about in terms of constructive criticism will be pretty irrelevant if we are not um, limiting our criticism to those occasional, really critical cases our criticism is not likely to be accepted by whoever we are critiquing. So number one, 
is an orientation, an attitude of I'm not looking to be critical. I'm not looking for the negative in others. And when I see it, I'm not looking to share it unless there's what's to be gained by sharing it. came across a quote at one point. can't say yeah, I remember the quote exactly, but it was along the following lines, is that criticism is a form of self-boasting. I'm building myself up by putting somebody else down. And if that is what the criticism is doing, well, self-boasting is not so kosher. Haughtiness, bad place to be. God himself, Hashem describes, there's no place for me and the haughty one. The haughty one just lifts himself up and pushes everything out of the way, including God. And as such, we want to avoid haughtiness, and we don't want to be self-boasting. So we have to start with that perspective that I'm not eager to be criticizing. Number two is if I am going to be received, if my words are going to be accepted, it's going to have to be very, it has to be feel very much that my concern is the best interest of that party and rather than my need to voice, my need to challenge. Last week's Torah portion, Yaakov, Jacob, encounters the uh, the shepherds gathered at the well. They haven't started to water the sheep and he is going to challenge them on that fact. It looks like they're just taking a major long coffee break. But before he does, he starts his words, opening expression, Achai, my brethren, my brothers. So it, I'm not coming from a position of demeaning, condescending, demanding. My brothers, hey, what's up over here? It, it's, it's not good for the whole system over here if, if the shepherds are not... Watering the animals, again, you're working for somebody who's expecting you to be productive. and But I'm not coming because I'm looking to criticize. I'm not coming because I'm looking down on you. Hey, for all of you guys, we're all in this together. Isn't this just not a healthy way to go about doing things? So that achai, that opening comment of my brothers, starting with the opening words, whether it's going to be a sense of camaraderie, a term of closeness, so let, let's kind of pull back into the Shalom bias scenarios within the home. If, in fact, he, she, did, didn't do something perfectly right. Well, starting point is, not everything has to be noticed. But, if in reality it is important, because they're not doing it right, could mess things up in the future. They're just not getting it. They're, they're going to potentially ruin the food, potentially... As often happens uh, in my scenario, doing things that my wife catches me, hey, like, um, are you sure you're not confusing things and messing up the kosher situation in the home? Yeah, it's always the rabbi who messes up and the wife that catches them. Uh, I, but so she has to make the comment to me. Or again, dealing with uh, a, a child who I have to help them recognize that what they're doing could potentially be damaging, could be dangerous. So sometimes I can't ignore. But if I've had a tendency to be limited in how I criticize up to this point, I'm in a much safer place. And then if I start off with something that makes it very clear that I'm not doing this for me, I'm not demanding this for my sake, for my honor, for my good, but really in their ultimate best interest, much more likely to be accepted. Starting with that achai. Another factor that can help us be a little more controlled and not so quick to criticize. Because again, for a lot of people, it's almost a knee-jerk reaction to anything that's out of place that's not the way I like it. The Talmud describes the Talmud in the Tractate of Kedushin 
that when we notice a flaw in somebody else, something that they're doing that's just out of sync, not quite right, we should stop for a moment and analyze, is there something that I'm seeing in them that really is something that bothers me about me? We tend to notice the failures in others that are part of our set of failures as well. And an example to the extreme, the Chidushi Harim, one of the great uh, Hasidic masters of, of the dynasty of the Gera Hasidim, or the beginning of the dynasty of the Gera Hasidim, addresses Korach. Korach, later on in the Torah, is the one who makes the challenge against Moshe, against Moses, and he, he claims that Moshe is arrogant. And of all things to claim about Moses, arrogance, Moshe is the one that the Torah attests to being the ultimate man of humility. So if Korah is going to dream up some type of a flaw in Moshe, why go to arrogance? Go to something that maybe you could more easily sell to the crowd than something that's so out of character and so foreign to Moshe. But says the Chidusha Harim, Korach was arrogant. And an arrogant person sees arrogance in others. Now, that's creating an arrogance in the others, but there's an also an element we notice and we highlight elements in others that are really issues we should be analyzing within ourselves. You know, that there's a subtle difference between a mirror and a window. When we look at a window, it's very easy to see the flaws in all the people passing by. Looking at a mirror, oh, I don't see any flaws in that person. But move away the backing from the mirror and I can see somebody beyond that glass, I'll notice the exact problem I should have seen in the mirror. Well, when we are finding ourselves being hypercritical, we should pause and ponder, am I frustrated with myself? And if I am, well, maybe I should be in that looking in the mirror zone and working on correcting the person in the mirror before correcting the person I see through that pane of glass. So, using that to help put the breaks on the criticism, slow the criticism at least, uh, limit the criticism, will then help that when I need to give the criticism, I can do it in a potentially constructive manner, remembering that a high message of my brethren and the need to start with compliments and other elements that are endearing, and be potentially more well-received. Fundamental to all this, though, is that it can only be received if it's not just my words that I'm using like through some type of exercise. Oh, I heard on a podcast I need to say some nice words before I criticize. It has to be felt by the recipient as really being uh, the truth. That this is not words that are just part of a, a script. If we are more genuine, if we are more authentic, if we really care, if our emotions are in sync with what we're saying in a positive way, we're more likely that when we share the following criticism, it can be accepted. Which means that we need to pull back as well and kind of generate internally that sense of care. Hard work over here. You know, he did, she did, they put the thing in the wrong place, he forgot to hang up his coat, you know, she has... Uh, one more time, outspent our budget, whatever the case is that somebody's about to be critical of. Was I critical three, four, five, six times already today? Well, no. Then your starting point, okay, I haven't been critical yet, haven't expressed my criticism too often. Then, can I get myself into the frame of mind that she will hear 
that this is not about me versus her. It's about us. Can I get at myself in the frame of mind and the emotional place that he will feel that this is part of the overall running of a home and not my being bossy and demanding and preachy? If I can get myself into that space, I can be much more effective in the comment that I feel I should be sharing. Last thought on the issue of criticism is what if you're on the other end of the criticism? What if you're being criticized and you just don't appreciate that? Whoever's criticizing you didn't hear the first part of the podcast and hasn't learned to be so sparse with their criticism and then so authentic with their criticism and so genuine as to come across super positively. Or they have, but you're not in a place that you're ready to receive it. You've had other frustrations. Your your wife, your husband, your, your parent, they may be very good at being limited in their criticism, but you just came home from a work environment where that was not the case. Or they may be pretty good at coming across authentically and genuinely, and your self-esteem doesn't really let you be very comfortable with criticism. So, a lot of steps that may be necessary to get to a fully healthy place, but one suggestion is to start with the fact that maybe, upon hearing this, I can't get you yet to the point of definitively, but maybe, even though my gut reaction is, oh, what do they know? You know, why do they have to always be preachy? Why are they so demanding? At the same time, to at least allow yourself to stop for the moment and say, maybe I'd be better off contemplating what they just shared with me. At least letting that thought be there for the moment. And again, it takes a while to get to the stage that you generally, naturally are eager to hear the criticism because you're so eager to grow. And that's certainly a much better place to be that I I long for the criticism that can help make me more perfect. But not there yet, and that takes a lot of work to get there, but at least including in the emotional reactions, the thought for the moment, maybe I would have what to gain by hearing that comment and and really um, internalizing it. That can soften the blow, soften the, uh, the negative effect, and if, in fact, whoever is sharing the criticism isn't so good at being limited and controlled and sparse. A second idea, rather than just the knee-jerk reaction of rejecting them, angry, how could you say that, and blowing it up into an issue, communication. Maybe, maybe you could tell me that differently. I might have an easier time hearing that. I might have an easier time absorbing the message if you'd be willing to tell to me in a different tone. I have to be very careful. Because your comment may come across as criticism, but to the degree you can really say that I would like to be making you happier, I would like to not have you become tense and agitated, and I I would like to be able to heed the comments and the criticism, but if it came in a different tone, I think I could do so better. What to work with, for starters. Big topic, and um, lots of room for growth. Love to hear your your reactions, your suggestions, situations in which you have managed to either control your um, your desire to criticize or become a better critic, a more constructive critic, or how you learned to better absorb and accept criticism 
and, and react in a more positive way. Share those. Love to hear success stories. Tachlis coaching at Gmail. And um, be happy to share those with others as well. And um, let's all strive for being better criticizers, being much more limited criticizers, and more effective criticizers. And let's become the type of people that can accept the criticism, grow with it, develop with it, and become better people as a result. Hopefully, in doing both of those, we will see to it that Shalom permeates, Shalom spreads, Shalom intensifies, and will really achieve true Shalom bias.